At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And we are coming to you slightly belated this week, not because anything in particular is wrong outside of gestures vaguely at world, but just because sometimes schedules happen, things get off track, and we are not really convinced of the realness of time anyway, as I stated several months ago on this self-same podcast. Uh, nothing is real except what you make of it. So happy Sunday, everybody, wherever you are, whenever you're listening. Your week starts now. Oh, oh! I didn't know we were going to come out the gate with such a bold stance. <laughs> You know, I I didn't plan it. Uh, It just sort of happened, much like everything right now is just sort of happening or not, depending on, uh, you know, your mileage may vary. Your experience of the world (laughs) might might be different right now. I was supposed to have something very specific happening today, and it certainly is not. So yes, this is fair. But anyway, um, I am not the keeper of this week's cryptid, so I'm going to hand it off to you whenever you feel like punting that topic my way. Um, Or if you want to, you know, pal around a little bit more with the cold open, we can certainly do that too. (laughs) I mean, either way, I've got a nice little carton of um, Stumptown cold brew with oat milk. It is horchata flavored. Ooh, that sounds delightful. It's delicious. It's very good. (laughs) So... That is my fuel for the day. I love that. Um, my fuel for the day is water. I have been grossly dehydrated for the past like Please drink water. week. Um, yeah, no, I, I've had very much water today. I have a very large water bottle, a big old Camelback. Uh, it's 1,500 milliliters. I, I fill it up and I try to consume about one and a half of these bad boys every day. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I have a lot of great stickers on it, which helps, actually. I don't know what the psychology is there, but I like an excuse to look at all my fun stickers. Right, if I put them all in my water bottle, I need to carry <laughs> my water bottle with me all day. And if I have it in my hand, I'm more likely to drink from it. So that's your um, that's your life hack there. Hack the human brain to drink more water. Oh, good. I love a life hack. Mm-hmm. I um, yeah, So I am the keeper of this week's cryptid. And I, um, as I've mentioned on the show before, I don't really have much of a process in picking them. I just kind of drift around until something sounds fun to me. And then I go, I want that one. Mm-hmm. I want to do that one. This one was one that's been on my back burner for a little while. Um, and <laughs> funnily enough, this particular one, I, I was reminded of wanting to cover it, not because of anything really very intellectual or anything even really happening in my life, but because of a very particular food craving. <laughs> oh, I am extremely curious. Yeah. Well, I, I a couple days ago, I was thinking about ordering um, ordering Japanese food, and I went, had a, I didn't end up getting this, but I am maybe going to get it today because it's in my brain. Uh, and I had a craving for a particular dish, and it is called uh, something called kitsune udon. So today I want to talk about the kitsune. Oh, oh my god, are we doing kitsune today? Yeah, we are doing kitsune today. Oh my god! So if you don't know what kitsune udon is, it's an udon noodle soup with like a dashi broth, which is like a really savory broth. You can make dashi with a couple different things. I've had it usually with like shit 
shiitake mushrooms and stuff. And then it's um, characterized largely by that broth and then by the fact that it's topped with uh, fried tofu that's like been seasoned with sugar and soy sauce and it's uh, so good. That sounds amazing. I've never had kitsune udon, um, but it sounds delicious. Kitsune udon is delicious and (laughs) I really like it. And this whole episode is not about the dish, but there actually is a folkloric reason or potentially a folkloric reason why the dish is called that. Cool. So tying in with the fact that according to a lot of different variations on the legend, uh, Kitsune like fried tofu. Me too, buddy. So, yeah, right? Um, particularly like fried tofu seasoned in this particular way. It's also the way you season tofu if you're making inari sushi, which is like the tofu pockets with the rice inside. Anyway, <laughs> this is not a food. <laughs> this is not a food episode. That was just my gateway. When I mentioned our topic for today, you got kind of excited. Are you familiar? I am. With, yeah, uh, the I'm, at hand? I'm not like extremely familiar with the kitsune, um, but I am at least passingly familiar with the kitsune. What do you know about it? Um, it's a fox spirit, right? Like a. It is a fox spirit. Mm-hmm. That, that's basically what There's... I know. I, I'm extremely fond of trickster fox lore, um, and. Mm-hmm. I, I should just go ahead and get this done out the gate. Otherwise, I'm going to get a million tweets about it. Um, I never intended to have a fursona, but this podcast has sort of <laughs> exacerbated the degree to which I am in contact with the furry community. I have no complaints. I myself am not one. I do not identify in that manner. And it's, it's not for me, but I respect and appreciate them, especially because many of them are very wonderful artists. And we had a very kind artist. I, I'm so sorry. I don't remember your name off the top of my head, who, um, if you recall, did do some very adorable art of us as what our respective personas would be. And I'm yes. quite fond of that. Mine, I have long joked, I guess, would be a fox, just because every time I see a picture of a fox making a very specific and extremely weird facial expression, I'm like, that's me. Um, More specifically, I think the maned wolf is the one that has, like, sort of become associated with, like, what my specific persona would be. Um, But foxes in general... the fox with the boots. Foxes in general, I'm very... Yeah, they're exactly. They're very awkward foxes with very big boots, and I love them a lot. But anyway, yes, I am extremely fond of foxes. Actually, just recently, I was on the Character Creation Cast, uh, which is a podcast on the One Shot Network, where we go through... It's not my podcast. It was temporarily. I was guest hosting, but it's not It's not normally my podcast. Anyway, it's a podcast where you go through only the character creation process of uh, various tabletop games. And um, we were playing a game called Beyond the Wall. And I um, almost entirely by accident ended up making a character who was a trickster fox. And it was very fun, but it was very recent. And that was just sort of hilarious to a handful of people because they were like, you know, no matter what, if you hand Alex a character creation engine, you will inevitably end up making a trickster fox. In this case, it was literally just a fox. Uh huh. So that was pretty great. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm just sort of passingly familiar with like trickster fox lore and like the concept in general throughout a few different folklores, but not specifically in the realm of the kitsune. Um, okay. I think the only thing I really know specifically about the kitsune is a really sad Pokemon episode about Ninetales from when I was a kid. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I don't know if that came up in your research at all or if you're familiar with it, but um, it's really interesting. I was going to say, obviously, though, because people are going to reference it, the design of the Pokemon Ninetales is, of course, referring to the Kitsune, which mm-hmm. um, actually, if you, I'll, I'll do sort of our little primer text in just a second, but a, a lot of the depictions of them, they're foxes with many tails, and the amount of tails that they have increases depending on their age and their wisdom. Um, yeah. So there is specifically a Pokemon episode about Ninetales, um, which sort of like goes into the the history of this one particular Ninetales, which Mm -hmm. uh, was one of my favorite episodes when I was a kid. And then also from basically the time I was like four or five years old, Uh Tails from Sonic has been like one of my favorite video game characters and anything ever. Um, 
So, I mean, you know, you multi-tailed fox there. Like, so yeah, I'm passingly familiar with like the kitsune as a cultural touchstone, Mm -hmm. um, but not really any of the specifics. It's sort of one of those things that I've mentioned before where like, once we started making this podcast, I stopped doing independent research (laughs) into creatures. (laughs) Right. So you wouldn't accidentally. So that I wouldn't end up, you know, ruining any of the the good jokes or the bits. And the surprise. So I'm very curious. Take me away. I'm happy. I'm happy to finally learn. Absolutely. So first of all, I should specify that Kitsune is just, is the Japanese word for fox and doesn't always refer to the mythical creature it can just literally mean mm-hmm. a fox but for the purposes of this episode obviously if i'm but the word is the same like you still say kitsune like it's the same word but um sure for the purposes of this obviously i'm referring to the creature and not just literal foxes but um of course there's some overlap uh and just starting with just the basic stuff that's on the cryptids <laughs> wiki uh yep Etymology, it's the Japanese word for fox, and they're a common subject of Japanese folklore, sometimes appearing as mischievous, sometimes appearing as more malicious, and sometimes appearing as very benevolent or kind of purveyors of good fortune and good luck. Uh, it really depends on their affiliations, and there are actually kind of variations on the kitsune that I will go into in a second. Like, they're not all one particular way. Sort mm-hmm. of like how... Uh, something that the cryptids wiki said basically is that sometimes fox spirits kind of occupy the role in Japanese folklore that fairies do in a lot of European folklore in that they're sort of occupy very a lot of very different roles like they can be just like like they have kind of no mm-hmm. they don't really adhere to human morality but they can be helpful hurtful or just mischievous in between and so I think that's kind of a fun comparison. But they, yeah, they pop up in a lot of very different ways. So stories depict them as intelligent beings possessing magical abilities that increase with their age and their wisdom. Also, as they grow older and wiser, they grow more tales. That's just me letting you know that was a sidebar. Uh, foremost among them is their ability to assume human form. They're shapeshifters. So mm-hmm. the kitsune can assume a human form, and that's often how most of the folk tales unfold, is it involves some kind of trickery or some kind of something involving them pretending to be a human. Uh, While some folktales speak of them employing this ability to trick others, other stories portray them as faithful guardians, friends, lovers, and wives. So they don't always turn human just to trick somebody. Sometimes they really just want to live basically a regular human life. Fair and valid. Yeah. Foxes and human beings lived in close proximity in ancient Japan, and this companionship gave rise to legends about the creatures Kitsune have become closely associated with. Inari, which is a uh, Shinto spirit, and they serve as his messengers. Um, so that's like the more positive side of the kitsune. And that's also, by the way, why they're often associated with the seasoned fried tofu that I mentioned before. Uh, the name might sound familiar. The fried tofu, it's called inari sushi, the mm-hmm. one that's the stuffed one with rice. And it's a food associated with practices around uh, inari, the, the Shinto figure. So there's like the food as the, yeah the food uh, as sacred kind of overlap cool. with that and then that's kind of trickled down into the kitsune udon which isn't the same thing but it's using a similar type of tofu and it sort of became associated with being like a fox soup <laughs> that's fun mm-hmm. that's what the cryptids wiki one i'm going to for a slightly more in-depth primer hop over to mythicalcreaturesguide.com uh, which I mentioned, it, it first talks about how they increase their tales with their age and their wisdom. They can have up to nine, but many of them have somewhere in between. Uh, so nine tales is a kitsune that's very powerful. So nine is like the cap, though. Yeah, the cap is nine. So if one has nine, then it's very old, it's very wise. 
And the way that you kill one is to cut off all of its tails, as one of its tails is its main tail and the source of all its power, but there's no way to know which one is the main one. So if you're trying to uh, get rid of it, that's what you would do. The most common numbers in the stories are one, five, seven, and nine. Tends to be odd numbers. I don't know exactly why that is, but I like that knowledge. I thought you might want to know. And Yeah, that's pretty cool. They look like classic traditional foxes, like like the orange foxes, uh, except when they gain their ninth tail, they become white or gold. Ooh. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they're shapeshifters. They take on human forms. They usually have to be about 100 years old before they could, depending on the variation in the folktale, like as is the case with a lot of folklore, you're going to find like regional variants. You're going to find different stories claiming different numbers. So I'm just going to kind of treat all the different claims as if true because there's so many different because this is our show and we do what we want exactly (laughs) this one says particularly though that they are usually around 100 years old before they're able to shapeshift into a human and then they can shapeshift from uh yeah fox to human and back again they can also look like like real people they don't just necessarily turn into a human form of their fox self they can be lookalikes of real people and they're usually um they usually take the form of beautiful women or older men they have a human form they're believed to have Superior intelligence and magical powers. They are a type of spiritual entity. They're fox spirit. But that doesn't mean that they're ghosts or that they're fundamentally different from regular foxes. I do disagree with that statement. They sound pretty (laughs) different from regular foxes. But this was written by a kitsune. Yeah. But the word spirit doesn't mean that they're like a ghost of a fox. It just implies the kind of magical and like the the spiritual aspect of the fox, uh, as opposed to the way that we would might maybe say fox spirit, you would assume it means like the ghost of a fox. So I wanted to make that clear right now. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some different, there are two different classifications, essentially, of kitsune. There are more, but these are like the two main ones, the sort of duality of fox, so to speak. There's the Zenko, which is good foxes. They're benevolent, they're celestial, and they're the ones associated with the god Inari that I mentioned. They're messengers of Inari, and then they're beings that represent good fortune and good luck, and they're just kind of, they're just, you know, they're, they're here to help. And then on the other hand, there is the Yako, which are field foxes, also called Nogitsune, which are mm-hmm. mischievous or even actively malicious. And those are the ones that want to, like, trick people or even maybe lead people into danger, there is also a tradition, though, I should say, that, that classifies kitsune into 13 different types, depending on the supernatural abilities they possess. So there are oh other gosh. classifications. Yeah. But those are the two big ones. There's the nice foxes and the mean foxes. <laughs> um, but uh, the ones that the, the way that you classify like the 13 different ones, they're classified by kind of like the element that they're linked to. There's like a celestial one. There's a dark one. The wind, spirit, fire, earth, river, ocean, mountain, forest, thunder, time and sound. Oh, but yeah, that's so interesting. Mm hmm. Uh, I don't know a ton about the... I'm doing more of a general overview, so I don't have too many details on the specifics of that breakdown, but that is something that I did find in some traditions. They're broken down that specifically in terms of, like, where their source, their powers come from and how they manifest. Mm -hmm. So... Kitsune really like freedom. They don't like being trapped or locked away anywhere, and they don't want to be forced to do anything they don't want to do. So doing so would likely get you killed if they are freed. Look, this is all valid. It is valid. What I'm hearing right now is Kitsune have rights. They do. 100%. They also love playing tricks. There's your trickster fox. They like to take things and hide them from people and do just about anything else to piss someone off. It says there. 
Also, uh, something, and this pops up a lot when we talk about shape-shifting creatures, like particularly that shift from animal into human, in many stories they have difficulty hiding their tails when they take human form. So they do still have Mm -hmm. a tail, they just have to hide it. Um, I love in their that. clothing or something. And it says, looking for the tail, perhaps when the fox gets drunk or careless, is a common <laughs> method of discerning the creature's true nature. Sometimes they also retain other, depending on the story, they retain other traits that reveal that they're a fox. They maybe have a coating of fine hair. They have a shadow that sh- when the, you look at their shadow, it's shaped like a fox as opposed to a person. Or, a reflect- or when they're reflected in a mirror, you see their true form as opposed to their human form. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that before. Mm -hmm. They're also very afraid of dogs, even when in human form. So if I would, I'm sorry, this is a little bit of an interruption, Mm -hmm. but I would do anything for a story where like the the thing sort of unfolds and there is this like threatening presence and you like get the feeling they're supernatural and they're like avoiding mirrors. And so everything leads up to thinking they're a vampire. And then there is a sudden reveal where like they are trapped into looking into a mirror and you just see like a fox. Yeah, they're a fox. <laughs> How awesome would that be? <laughs> Absolutely. And so I, I mentioned that they're afraid of dogs, even while in human form. And sometimes they're so frightened by the presence of a dog that they might turn back into a fox and run away. Oh. So also there's a, yeah, there's a folk story. Uh, I have several different folk stories, obviously, you imagine something that's this old and this varied there's so many different like kind of almost campfire stories revolving around kitsune so Mm -hmm. i have so i have a couple i want to read to you today but like there's just a little one referenced in this piece and it says um uh one folk story illustrating uh the imperfections in the kitsune's human shape concerns koan a historical person credited with wisdom and the magical powers of divination According to the story, he was staying at the home of one of his devotees when he scalded his foot entering a bath because the water had been drawn too hot. Then, in his pain, he ran out of the bathroom naked. When the people of the bath of the household saw him, they were astonished to see that Koan had fur covering much of his body along with the fox's tail. Then, Koan transformed in front of them, becoming an elderly fox and running away. Aww. Yeah, a lot of the time, they're not necessarily here to do anything malicious. They're just living their lives, and then if you discover that they're a kitsune, then they'll be like... Ah, gotta go, because um, they don't want to be trapped and they don't want to be potentially like put in a situ a bad situation because they've been revealed. Mm-hmm. Now, not always the case. Uh, it's not always the case that they are benevolent or even just neutral like that. Some of them, some tales, uh, say that they have the ability to drive Hot people. Tales. Ha. Some stories say that they have the ability to drive people mad. And then there are also characteristics in some versions that are represented or more, more reminiscent of a vampire or a succubus because they feed on the life or spirit of human beings, usually through sexual or romantic contact when they're in human form, obviously. <laughs> Interesting. So my um, my vampire bait and switch story like does have legs here. Oh, it really has legs. It really, really does. I'm going to hop over to uh, a different piece in a second, but really quickly, because you mentioned how much you love trickster foxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a subsection of this article, uh, again, on Mythical Creatures Guide, that says that's entitled Tricksters. It says, Kitsune are often presented as tricksters with motives that vary from mischief to malevolence. Stories tell of them playing tricks on the overly proud, on greedy merchants, on be- on the boastful, and while the crueler ones abuse poor tradesmen and farmers or Buddhist monks. So I like the I like the trickster ones, not the mean ones. I like the idea that they're like, mm, you're a little full of yourself. I think I'll take you down a bit. <laughs> I mean, respect, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, their victims are usually men. 
<laughs> and uh, they're thought to employ something called foxfire to lead travelers astray. I'll talk about foxfire in a little bit. It's exactly what you think. It, it, it's very similar to will-o'-wisps. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same thing, basically. It's a yeah, foxfire, but it's thought to be something that Kitsune deliberately invoke to lead people astray in the woods. They use illusions or visions to trick people. A common goals of the trickster include seduction, theft of food, humiliation of the prideful, or vengeance for a perceived slight. I mean, listen, this mm-hmm. all sounds extremely fair to me. I mean, yes. I see no sins with the kitsune. And also similarly to like I was saying about like fairy lore, they do, however, if, if, if they do make a promise to you and are owe you a, or owe you a favor, they keep those promises and they will repay it. So if you find yourself in a situation where you have done something good for a kitsune and they're indebted to you, they will repay that favor. So um, they also sometimes use their magic for the benefit of their companion as long as the human beings treat them with respect. However... They do not share human morality, and a kitsune that has adopted a house, sometimes they can attach themselves to a household, will, for example, bring its host money or items that it has stolen from neighbors. Ooh. (laughs) So it's like, I gave you this nice present. Why are you so mad? (laughs) I don't get it. Nothing belongs to anyone. Don't you like this present? (laughs) Addition, common households thought to harbor kitsune are treated with suspicion because it might bring bad stuff to the people around it, even if it brings good stuff to the people living there. Yes, so that is uh, the end of that particular one. Uh, Also, it does, as it mentioned, and I'll talk a little bit more about this, Kitsune are commonly portrayed as lovers or uh, even end up in a lot of legends married to a human being and not normally even with like any kind of malintent. Mm -hmm. It's, It's similar to some stories we've talked about in the past, like with the Selkie and things like that, where they're just living as a human and marrying another marrying a human and then maybe they find out i respect it yeah so that is that i want to talk um about uh a few more variations on the kitsune because the kitsune itself obviously is located in japan like very specific to japan but there are some variants on fox spirits that are very similar in uh sort of throughout uh other countries in the same area so hopping over to ancientorigins.net side note um this one specifically talks about um the back to the age being the, related to the tails thing, uh-huh. that it's usually like you get a tail every hundred years of age. So a nine-tailed fox is at least 900 years old. Wow, that owns. Yeah, they're very old, very wise. In Korea, there is a fox spirit uh, called the Kumiho. And in China, there's one called the Hulijing. And they're both kind of trickster foxes as well. I won't, like, hit on them too hard because that would be its own deep dive. I will hit on the kitsune. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're also, but they also can transform into human beings like the kitsune does. So this one specifically lists one that's, like, the this one refers to the, like, more evil foxes as being um, kind of, like, there's there's the there's the mischievous foxes the nogetsune which I mentioned there's the um, Miobu or the ones the Inari foxes which are like the helper foxes that work for mm-hmm. him and then this one also lists um, Yoko which are it's it can, says are considered to be kitsune but they're a little bit more um, malicious and share some overlap with uh, with stories that are a little bit more like like kind of fox like fox demons like a little bit more evil like they um, mimic mm-hmm. the sound of a crying baby to lure travelers and things like that which is something that pops up a lot in these stories I think like in stories where people are being led astray and there's like tricks going on the mimicking of a sound of a crying baby 
Yeah, that's that's definitely like a, a sort of cross-cultural phenomenon. Yeah, side note, the kitsune are also said to have the, some are said to have the ability to become invisible. However, they cannot hide their shadow, so you'll still see the shadow if you look for it. Cool. Yeah. A subject that I am very excited to talk about because if you're not that familiar with the kitsune, you don't know about this. Um, there is something that comes into play with the kitsune called, it's called kitsune suki, which means mm-hmm. fox possession. So, okay. Sometimes kitsune will possess human beings. Go on. This is from yokai.com. Some kitsune are able to possess human beings and cause them to behave in strange ways. Compared with other types of animal spirit possessions, kitsune suki is a relatively common form, um, which is a very distressing sentence. But anyway. Yeah, right. A person possessed by a fox spirit often develops physical features that appear fox-like, such as sharper teeth or a pointier face. So uh, there are three main types of kitsune possession. Possession of an individual, possession of a family, and possession for use as a medium. So when they possess an individual, it's often in retaliation for something done to the kitsune, killing one of its family members, for example. The possessing spirit causes its host to behave erratically and emotionally. People possessed by the kitsune sometimes run naked through the streets and bark like a fox. Kitsune can speak. <laughs> okay. Yep. Kitsune can speak through their hosts' mouths. Victims are often able to speak and read languages they previously had no knowledge of. Kitsune can even control their hosts like a puppet. According to folklore, women are more susceptible to fox possession than men. Interesting. I don't know if that's true or it's just more like um, maybe kind of a. That seems like one of those things that where you have like a folklore thing that can be a good excuse if a woman is behaving in a way that you don't like. To be like, yeah, that's fair. Sounds like you're possessed by a fox. But also the idea that these these shape-shifting creatures would also sometimes act as like a sort of bodiless spirit in a way that they can possess, like a physical thing, is very unusual to me. And I found that very interesting. So speaking of which, they can sort of possess families. I mentioned that, mentioned that they sort of latch onto a family. When I say possess uh-huh. family, I mean that more like haunting a family almost. Oh, okay. Interesting. So when a kitsune possesses a family, that family becomes rich. And these families were called kitsune mochi and were able to manipulate the possessing kitsune spirits. In addition to bringing prosperity to their owners, they could be used to bring ruin upon a family's enemies. The spirits could be used to place curses or bring sickness to others. The families kept their fox spirits for generations, handing down their secrets from parent to child. You have like a resident fox spirit that like, works for slash with your family. And then in exchange, yeah, and in exchange, they honor and care for it. They give it gifts and all that stuff for it could just as easily bring the same ruin upon their family line. People suspected of belonging to Kitsune Mochi families were mistrusted for their unnatural abilities and feared by their neighbors. Now, um, then there is, as I've just mentioned, the use as it, or, oh my God, I can't talk, it as a use as a medium. Kitsune suke for use as a medium involves inviting a kitsune to possess a willing person in order to perform divinations. This is almost like, we talked about like spirit writing and things like that. Mm-hmm. A kitsune, or like, it's like having a, or just being a medium, using, using a medium. A kitsune would enter the medium's body and speak through her mouth, predicting the future or giving secret knowledge. Oh, Now, this was a dangerous practice because it relies on the willingness of the kitsune to leave the body after it's done. There is that. And it, because as I've previously mentioned, they're very, uh, they're creatures that make up their own minds and will not be told what to do. If it decides, I think I'd rather stay, then you're in trouble. Now, uh, the ways that you diagnose kitsune possession, if you're curious, 
uh, despite living in a human body, they'll retain certain traits which can betray their presence. All kitsune love fried tofu and azuki beans. So a possessed person will strongly crave these foods, often eating them in large amounts and not getting full. I mean, listen, I'm ready to diagnose myself with kitsune possession. I can eat quite a lot of fried tofu and not get full, so I don't know if that's... (laughs) Yeah. A possessed person also develops a strong fear of dogs, so I know it's not you. Uh, So it's not me. Yeah. Well, that was a short-lived dream. And then to remove the spirit, there can be exorcisms performed at Inari shrines. Uh, There's also one fairly benign treatment, I think you'll like this, involves having the victim licked head to toe by dogs. Oh... Because the fox is afraid of them, so it will bail. But then you just yeah. let you just let a bunch of puppies. Oh, <laughs> let a bunch of puppies lick lick your oh, person until the babies. fox leaves. Um, other, yeah, unfortunately, other less fortunate people were burned in attempts to drive out the fox spirit. In some cases, uh, priests would burn fresh pine leaves to produce a smoke in order to drive it out, and just a lot of other stuff that was tried that obviously was dangerous for the people and not a great idea. So if for some reason you're ever trying to treat kitsune may I recommend the dog method instead? Might I recommend I you mean, just... I mean, listen, I... I, I am more than willing to let people believe that I am under the influence of a kitsune if it means I am going to get dogpiled by puppies and also get to enjoy a sort of nice, like, pine bonfire. Those are both things that I have been known to enjoy quite a bit. That's fair. I respect that. So I would like to talk now about some of the particular legends that come up surrounding the kitsune. And as, of course, there are, like so many more than I could ever even go into. Like, it's one of those, this has been around for such a long time and there are so many variations, but I found a couple that I just thought were fun and maybe good to read. I want to start with one that that has a happy ending because I just, you know, it's nice. Oh, yeah. So here's one. This one comes from the website of Laura Venerenden K. Bon. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't, I can't talk. She's a writer. She's a writer. And she was talking about, she has like, uh, she did a blog series on the folktale of the kitsune just because I think she's very interested in it and um, I just thought this one was nice so (laughs) once there was a man who married a beautiful woman she had no family but she was of lovely mien and manner and he brought her to his home in time she bore him children and they were very happy one day a dog ran into their house and it ran at the woman barking the woman was very frightened and as the dog rushed at her she transformed into a fox and fled The man was stunned to learn he had wed a shape-shifting fox, but he loved his wife. He followed her and said, You are a fox, but you are my wife and the mother of my children. I love you. Please return to me. And so, every night, the fox returned and stayed with the man and tended her children. And though he knew she was a fox, he loved her and they were happy. Mm, I love that. (laughs) It's nice. Need me a man like that. Yeah, right. I have nothing but respect for someone who can learn something very surprising about their partner. And then, of course, you know, adjust to that very quickly and say, that's, you know, I didn't know this about you before, but I know this now and you're still the person I fell in love with. So let's, you know, keep doing what we're doing. You truly do love to see it. I don't care that you're a fox. You're my wife. (laughs) I've been attracted to you this entire time. So I guess I'm attracted to foxes. (laughs) Particularly, let's clarify foxes that become people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, fair. That clarification seems very important to me. I did let the, I, I let the metaphor get a little bit too metaphorical, and I did forget that I was actually still talking about a literal fox. 
<laughs> that's the thing, right? Like the the word is the same, so it becomes kind of it's it's like an interesting thing, and I think it's something that I kind of find delightful because there is so very little delineation because foxes are so inherently like kind of. They're, they're such a prominent figure in folklore that they're just kind of mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, there are literal foxes that aren't magic, but like any fox could be magic. So we might as well just. Right. <laughs> which I love. Like maybe that fox isn't magic, but like any fox could be, you know. Not convinced <laughs> I've ever seen a fox that wasn't. Honestly, same. Uh, so this, I went to coyotes.org. <laughs> okay. Take me away. Which has a whole section on kitsune. And what they have is they have a couple different um uh, kind of classic Kitsune-centered stories. I won't read the third one because it is so long, but the first two I will because they're a little shorter. Um, so the first one is entitled ten- here entitled Enough is Enough. <laughs> oh, strong stances from coyotes.org. The foxes which infested the house and grounds of Mayor Councillor Yasumichi's old mansion were always making mischief, but since they never really did any harm, Yasumichi let the matter pass. They got naughtier and naughtier as the years went by, though, until one day he angrily decided that enough was enough. Those foxes would have to go. He announced a grand fox hunt to his household for the next day. The servants were to bring bows and arrows, sticks, or whatever weapons they could devise and flush out every last one. They would surround the house, and men would be posted not only on the garden wall, but on the roof as well, and even in the space between the ceiling of the rooms and the roof. Every fox that showed itself would be killed. Near dawn, on the fateful day, Yasumichi had a dream. A white-haired old man, looking rather like an aged menial, was leaning under the tangerine tree in the garden, bowing respectfully. "'Who are you?' asked Yasumichi. "'Someone who has lived here in the mansion for many years, sir,' the old man answered nervously. "'My father lived here before me, sire, and by now I have many children and grandchildren. "'They get into a lot of mischief, I'm afraid, and I'm always after them to stop, but they never listen.' And now, sir, you're understandably fed up with us. I gather that you're going to kill us all, but I want you to know, sir, how sorry I am that this is our last night of life. Won't you pardon us one more time? If we ever make trouble again, then of course you must act as you think best. But the young ones, sir, I'm sure they'll understand when I explain to them why you're so upset. We'll do everything we can to protect you from now on, if only you'll forgive us. And we'll be sure to let you know when anything good is going to happen. The old man bowed again, and Yasumichi awoke. When the sky had lightened, he got up and looked outside. Under the tangerine tree sat an old fox, which at the sight of him slunk under the house. The perplexed Yasumichi gave up his fox hunt. There, were no more, there was no more troublesome mischief, and every happy event around the house was announced by a fox's sharp bark. Aww. And that's them as like kind of the household spirits. I love that one because it's literally like the oldest one appears in a dream and he's like, the young foxes, they don't understand. Please be I like patient. That quite a bit. Yeah. They're just children. They're just so small. <laughs> They're just mischievous children. I'll explain to them that you're upset because we're in your house making trouble. <laughs> I just, I like that one. Um, I will, there is a more, mis- or a more mischievous, even malevolent fox I'll talk about in a second, but most of the fox stories I've pulled are kind of either just kind of neutral mischief or kind of sweet. Uh, <laughs> this one is called, <laughs> speaking of which, this one is called Fox Arson. Oh, okay. Uh, this is why you shouldn't mess with a kitsune. A man who served the governor of Kai was heading home one sundown from the governor's mansion when he saw a fox, gave chase, and shot at it with a noisemaker arrow used for scaring off dogs. He hit it in the back of the leg. The fox yelped in pain, rolled over, and dove limping into the brush. 
As he went to retrieve his arrow, the fox reappeared in front of him, and he was about to shoot at it again when it vanished. A quarter of a mile from home, he saw the fox running ahead of him, carrying a flaming brand in its mouth. (laughs) What could it be up to? He spurred his horse on. On reaching the house, the fox changed into a human being and set the house on fire. Oh. He was ready to shoot as soon as he got within range, but the human changed right back into a fox and got away. The house burned down. Beings like that exact swift vengeance. It's better to leave them alone. You get what you get. You get what you get, honestly. If you shoot a fox that's not doing anything to bother anyone, then I guess don't be mad when it burns your house down. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing though, right? Like that one, I can't feel too sorry for that guy. (laughs) Really can't. Like, it's sad that your house burned down. I'm very sorry. But also, you saw a fox on the street doing literally nothing to you and you shot it in the leg. Yeah, and like, am I biased in favor of the fox anyway? Absolutely, 100%. Of course I am. But were you wrong? (laughs) Yes, unequivocally. Of course. Of course and of course. But I wanted to talk specifically about a uh, kind of famously evil fox spirit. Folklore Thursday has a piece called like three famous, oh, sorry, Japanese legend, the legends, the three most evil. I love Folklore Thursday. Yeah, they have one called The Three Most Evil Yokai of Japan. Ooh. And I won't read the first, uh, the, the other two because they might come up in later episodes. But I will tell you about Tamamo no Mai, a kitsune. She's a famous, a particular famous kitsune. She was uh, Tamamo no Mai. Uh, so that's T-A-M-A-M-O space N-O space M-A-E. If my pronunciation's bad, I'm really sorry. I've taken very tiny amounts of Japanese. My pronunciation's not not great. <laughs> but I'm trying my best. So she was a wicked, shape-changing, nine-tailed fox whose evil was only matched by her ambition. She disguised herself as a human child and was found by an elderly couple who were unable to have children of their own. They named her Mikuzume and raised her as their daughter. So she was playing the long game. Yeah, seriously. She grew to be an exceptionally talented and beautiful young woman and attracted the attention of everyone around her. So then she, when she was seven, recited poetry to the emperor, who was so taken with her, he brought her on to work in the imperial court. She excelled at court, absorbing knowledge like a sponge. There was no question she could not answer, whether it was about music, history, astronomy, religion, or classics. Her clothes were always clean and unwrinkled. She had the most beautiful face in all of Japan, and all who saw her loved her. One summer, during a poetry recital, a powerful rainstorm hit. The candles in the recital room were snuffed out by the wind. Suddenly, a bright light emanated from Mikazume's body, illuminating the room. Everyone at the recital was shocked, and it was declared that she must have been, have had an exceedingly good and holy past life. Mikazume was given the name Tamama no Mae, and the emperor, already fond of her, made her his consort. Shortly afterwards, he became gravely ill. The country's best physicians could not figure out what was wrong with him. The higher priests prayed for him to get better, but he only grew worse. Sorcerers were called in to divine the cause of his illness. According to the sorcerers, he was being made sick by someone close to him. They suspected that Tamama no Mai was actually a fox in disguise, but the emperor refused to believe it. But in fact, she had been using her magic to shorten the emperor's life and was responsible for his condition. So she was ordered to participate in divine rituals to save the emperor's life. The sorcerers reasoned that if she was an evil spirit, she wouldn't be able to recite the holy words or perform the ritual. 
She was reluctant to participate, but due to court decorum, she had little choice. She recited the holy words and, and performed her part well. But just as she was about to wave the ceremonial staff, she vanished. The sorcerer's suspicions were confirmed. The emperor summoned his best warriors and ordered them to find her. An army of 80,000 men was summoned to, or was sent to hunt her down. News came that a nine-tailed fox had been spotted in the east. The night before she was caught, Tamama no Mai appeared to an archer named Muranosuke in a dream. She was crying. She told him that tomorrow he would find her, and she begged him to spare her life. Her beauty was indescribable. She appeared so pitiable. But his sense of duty was stronger than his sense of pity, and he rejected her plea. The next day, he spotted a nine-tailed fox on the plains. And then, he shot it full of arrows. He killed the fox. However, her effects didn't go away with her death. Pretty much, she left a curse behind. So one year after her death, the emperor died heirless. The following year, her lover, the former emperor Toba, died as well. And then, this paved the way for a succession crisis that spelled the rise of or the rise, the end of imperial power in Japan, and allowed the rise of the first shoguns. Incredibly influential, Kitsune. I mean, here's the thing about this whole story. I don't sort consider it that evil. I, I don't consider it evil. Yeah. One, because I just don't. But two, even though we, like, as readers know that she is, in fact, like, a powerful, very old Kitsune, um, the second you take as your consort somebody that you brought to court when they were seven years old... Yeah. You lose your rights. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I get it. I agree I'm with sorry, you. you're the villain in the rest of the story, no matter what else happens. Like, I know she was slowly poisoning you, but also, like, come on. But also, you deserved it. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, like, literally, I'm just, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. You're the villain in the story, no matter what happens in the rest of that story. No, it's fair. It's you. I like, honestly, I think she's fascinating. I love, you know me. I love an iconic... I think she's doing great. I love an iconic, like, mischief-making female spirit or creature. We stand an ambitious queen. Listen, I mean, she gave some very happy child-rearing years to a family that wanted a child. Yeah. Made them very proud. Brought a lot of honor to their family, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. She brought a lot of joy to the court with her incredible talents. So, like, I mean... Yeah. Really made a lot of people very happy. The only person who really suffered for this was somebody who had it coming. <laughs> Thank you for your perspective. I honestly, um, Tamama no my uh, defense squad. Yeah, I'm. I'm a Kitsune apologist. Honestly, I respect the Kitsune apology, and I, I too, am routinely a Kitsune apologist as well. I would also like to talk about one more of the legends that I found. I thought this one was cool just because I found it in an academic paper. Um, the larger paper is very, very good, and, and I read a lot of it, but, like, it's not, it's not relevant for me to cover the whole thing, but it's, um, mm -hmm. it's a master's thesis by Adam J. Johnson at the University of Massachusetts, oh, and it's okay, uh, cool. the evolution of yokai in relationship to the Japanese horror genre. So it's actually a really awesome uh, thesis. Adam, if you listen to our podcast, please tell us. Yeah, right? But uh, there was a kitsune story included in just an early bit of it that I thought was fun. Mm -hmm. And this is particularly covering a book. Do you have a year on this thesis? I'm just curious. In 2015. Cool. The book that he references for this, which is fun, it's a pretty contemporary book, but it's meant to be a collection of, like, passed down stories. 
So, um, uh-huh. uh, popular mystery author Kyogoku Natsuhiko in 2007 adapted a collection of stories known as Mimi Bukuro, which is, or Tales Heard. So, like, stories passed down into a uh, bunch of stories kind of for modern readership. The second story in the book, and uh, this is also from the fourth scroll of the original Tales Heard that he was adapting, is about a doctor named Furubayashi Kenny and his house and his house call to a wise old friend. After the checkup, the two engage in pleasant conversation, but they are interrupted by the sudden appearance of a peculiar man who gives off an air of importance. Being the polite host, the old man brings out a botamochi suite for his new guest. The visitor thanks the old man for his hospitality, but acts strange. He uses no chopsticks and eats directly off the plate like a wild animal. Seeing that the hour was late, the old man suggests the visitor departs before it gets dark. After he departs, the doctor expresses his concern for the visitor, since the journey from Osaka to Fuji Forest is long and potentially dangerous in the darkness. The old man reassures the doctor by explaining that their visitor was, in fact, a kitsune in disguise. The proof of the kitsune's visit is how the doctor cannot remember the visitor's clothes. This is because the clothes of a kitsune are hard to distinguish. This is something that comes up a little bit in the lore. When they adopt a human form, they, like, create, like like clothing to go with it that's and because it's created from like i've seen variations of those because it's created from like magic and it's not real you like can't remember what they were wearing after you after you interact with them Mm -hmm. they were wearing something or you didn't remember them as naked but you can't remember what it looked like interesting Mm -hmm. and then then he sort of dives into sort of the elements that make this kind of the right kind of setting for a horror story. It talks about the setting and the time of day, how it's at the dusk and the gradual buildup from normal everyday life to the obvious indication that there is something, uh, something strange about this man that's appeared there. Um, anyway, I just think it's, 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 it's a fun little story. And another one where it's just like a regular, the Fox just showed up to have a snack, but the full thesis is really, is really interesting. And I do recommend if you, you can find it by searching what I just said. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. And honestly, right, I found that and I was like, okay, did you, is this for me? For me? Thank you. Back in 2015, you wrote this just for me to find and read. Thank you so much. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you for this gift for us personally. <laughs> this incredibly niche thing that happens to appeal so distinctly to our sensibilities as a podcast. Yeah, right. Anyway, shout out to Adam. But um, let me hop over to, there's another legend, and then I have some sightings that are from Reddit that are just, they may not be actually kitsune, but they're close enough that I thought they were fun. Um, But also I want to talk about one more kind of kitsune-related legend. Um, There is something called uh, kitsune no yomeri, or uh, Y-O-M-E-I-R-I, so yomeiri, or yomeiri, it means the fox's wedding. So uh, the fox's wedding is an event, a strange event told about in Honshu, Shikoku, and Kyushu. It can refer to a couple different things, and all of them are sort of unusual, like, weather phenomena. Mm-hmm. One of those is fox fire or ghost lights, which I mentioned before, which are either used, like, like kind of foxfire appearing like will-o'-wisps to, like, mislead people, or they're atmospheric ghost lights that look that resemble the appearance of lit paper lanterns from a wedding procession floating oh. through the dark. So that's like the legend of that is that it's the foxes are having a wedding. Oh. There's also something that's referred to as a sun shower. So like something that's thought to be a, symbol, a sign that the foxes are having a wedding is when it is raining, but it's sunny. And I've actually heard that a couple times um, pop up in even like mainstream like anime. You'll hear someone like make a 
not, not necessarily serious reference, but if there's a sun shower, they'll be like, oh, the fox spirits are getting married or something like, something like that. Oh, that's nice. But yeah, and it, it, it appears throughout the Kanto region, the Chubu region, Kansai region, Shinkoku and Kyushu uh, and a couple other places, sun showers are called the fox's wedding and or like the fox spirit takes a bride or other references like that. And basically the reason that they're called this is sort of there's a couple different variations, but mainly the idea is that when the rain falls, even though the sky is clear, it feels kind of impossible. It feels like something a trickster spirit would do. It feels like you're being tricked or like misled. And so there's this idea that the fox's the fox spirit's wedding would take place during a sun shower. And also the explanation is that in a lot of these places, um, because they're at mountain bases, there's a lot of rain even when the sky is clear. People thought that perhaps the foxes made it rain in order to prevent people from going up the mountain and accidentally stumbling upon the wedding. I like that. Mm-hmm. There's also the idea that since there are wives who cry, happy cry at their wedding, that they're like crying joyful tears for their marriage. And that is the sun shower as well. That's so nice. Yeah, the fox wedding. I'm soft. <laughs> Then before I close up with some like dubious, uh, dubiously relevant sightings from Reddit that I just thought were fun um, and potentially related because they involve like foxes or shape shifting around mm-hmm. foxes. There's just two of those. Really quick, I want to talk about the fact that Kitsune are very prominent in popular culture. Probably one of the most prominent like figures in Japanese folklore in terms of the recognizability of them in popular culture. Like nine-tailed foxes mm-hmm. are an image that is seen all over the place. Partially, I would probably say I could probably thank Pokemon for that, um, which makes sense. Uh, there are several Pokemon that are inspired by or designed after figures from Japanese folklore. And I think one of the most oh, prominent yeah, is Vulpix and then Ninetales, which makes total sense too. the fact that as it like as I was saying, it's age and wisdom that allow a fox to take on more tails and change color, which is why when it evolves, it would become yeah. a nine-tailed fox. Which I think is actually kind of wonderful. It's even part of the lore, um, if I remember correctly, from a Pokemon card that I had when I was very young. Because Vulpix is my favorite Pokemon, actually. Mm. Um, but there, it, it's like canonical that when a, a baby Vulpix is born, it actually only has one tail. And those tails split as it grows older. So, mm. Yeah, they also appear. There's a whole particular... There's a whole Wikipedia page for their role in popular culture. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. they pop up in, they're in a ton of video games. Obviously, Pokemon there, is named. I'm sorry, isn't the Kitsune like a big part of Naruto? I don't watch Naruto. Is it? But um, I believe that's true. The spirit of a nine-tailed fox was sealed within Naruto Uzumaki, the main character of Naruto. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Um, and he has whiskers on his, like, whisker markings on his face and a prankster personality. <laughs> I was going to mention the fact that it also appears in not just anime and manga, but also some, like, uh, American media, uh, there's uh, there is there are there's a character on the show Teen Wolf who's a Kitsune. There's also a character that appeared briefly in an episode of Supernatural who was one. Um, then my first exposure to Kitsune was actually um, an anime I grew up watching called Holic, which covers a lot of different Japanese folklore. And there's particularly mm-hmm. one. There's a recurring creature that is a. Um, a kudagitsune, which is a pipe fox, which is not a kitsune, but it's a oh. type of fox spirit. And it's like a little, like a pipe fox, like a little kind of snaky, like ferrety fox that like 
it's a friend, like kind of a companion of the main character uh, that attaches itself to him, and he and it's and eventually does become a, a traditional kitsune. There's also an episode, one of my favorite episodes of uh, of Holic, is one where the main character, who can see spirits, stumbles upon an udon stand that is run by kitsune. It's a kitsune udon. Oh, it's like I a love play that. on. It's so fun. Yeah, so he stumbles upon a, a noodle stand that's owned by a family of foxes. He finds like a lost, like a baby Kitsune, like lost in the streets of, of at night of, of his town. And he like, try, like it leads, he like helps it make its way back to his family, which owns this udon stand. Um, One of my favorite like tropes of all time in any piece of media ever is just like the whole idea of what would this fantasy slash mythological creature do in like an everyday setting? I mm-hmm. think that's very fun and charming and it always gets me. So that's quite delightful to me. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen the episode in a very long time, but I think they also do have the images of the lanterns floating at night. Oh, fine. I think that's how they make their way back to the noodle stand. They follow the lanterns, I think. Um, It's been a very long time since I've seen that particular episode, but I remember loving it. And it was my first exposure to Kitsune Udon the dish because I was like... Because I had to like, look, I was curious about what the significance, and I realized, oh, it's like a play on words. Like, there's a dish called kitsune udon, so these kitsune have a noodle mm-hmm. stand. That's really cute. <laughs> anyway, it's really cute. Side note, as mentioned, I'm about to wrap up with these Reddit stories, but of course, because this is such an old story, and there's so many variations throughout an entire country, and then obviously, as the story is spread kind of the entire world. There's so many variations on like the fox spirit story. I I don't want to pretend this is even close to a complete look at everything, but I hope this has been kind of a fun sampling of stuff related to a story that I've always really enjoyed. I've always really liked the Kitsune, and I think that there's a lot of really interesting and and like strange and fun things about, about it and about the kind of stories that come out of it. So anyway, here's just a couple, because there aren't really any sightings, particularly with a, with a thing like this normally. You have just kind of the old folk tales, but mm-hmm. here's just a couple things from Reddit. This first one comes from our humanoid encounters, and this is from 33 days ago, so it's kind of recent. So here we go. I live in the countryside. Me and my brother were walking back home, and it was a few minutes past midnight. There are no houses besides where, beside where we live, just fields, bushes, and trees. We were walking, and I felt like something was wrong. Felt like something was watching us, but I didn't think too much of it. Then we heard a noise. I can't explain it because it was nothing I had heard before. My brother said it was a faraway gunshot, and I believed him. We kept walking with the flashlight, and we put some music on. At one point, I looked to my right, and I see this flashlight, like a person was holding it, but you could see there was no one holding it. My brother turned off his flashlight, and we kept looking at it. The light turned into two, and at first I thought it was headlights for a car, which turned toward us, but the lights went over us like someone was pointing flashlights. We panicked, but didn't move, and a few seconds later, the lights disappeared. We started to walk faster towards our house, but coming over the hill, we see this creature on the left side of the road completely still. My brother didn't wear glasses at the time, and he said he saw something like an orb changing forms, but I was wearing glasses. I saw a luminescent humanoid-like being, and the thing started changing its forms and became something like a fox going from one side of the road to the other. At this point, we were freaking out. I started to run toward the house as it was just a few meters away, but my brother stopped me to calm me down. When this happened, we were in our driveway, and I was with my back to it, but he was holding my shoulders, telling me to calm down, but then he looked toward the darkness, and he ran away. I didn't have the balls to look back, so I ran after him and towards the door. He gave me the key, and I tried to open the door with my hands shaking. He said he had seen the creature standing up, and that he looked like a man, but it wasn't a man at all. Did anyone have any encounters like this? This happened last night, and I still can't explain what happened. Honestly, between the lights and the fox thing, I'm like... That feels very, like, Kitsune-like. Oh, yeah, 100%. There's so, there's just enough crossover with that that I was like, this feels like a fun 
thing to end with. There's also um, this one really quickly here, which is from You Paranormal and, or Our Paranormal. And this is from three years ago. And this one is Humanoid Identity with Tails. <laughs> Very good. So here we go. About two years ago, during late July, early August, my friend and I were walking along the beach about 10 kilometers away from where we both lived at the time. Kilometers. Sorry. <laughs> Damn, that threw me off. I'm not used to seeing I should because it's a better system mm-hmm. of measurement, but it threw my brain off. Anyway, <laughs> since it was around 3 p.m. and the sun was at its peak, it was getting pretty hot outside. And anyway, they uh, were going to walk in the forest to get some shade and... Then, so they got to walk, they go to walk through the forest and about 15 minutes in, I started getting this really weird feeling. It's hard to explain, but I felt like something was off. I noticed E, that's the friend, was fidgety and she asked me if I felt like we were being followed or if it was just her. When I looked toward the forest, I saw what I thought was the silhouette of a person slightly hunched over behind a tree deeper into the foliage. As I looked closer, it had these long claw-like fingers and multiple fluffy black tails swishing all around. It was at this point that me and E started freaking out. It turned its head to look in our direction and started slowly walking towards us. As it walked, it looked like it was flickering in and out of existence almost. As it was disappearing, friend and I ran the hell out of there and went back to her car. A few minutes later, we convinced ourselves we were just seeing things and worked up the nerve to go back to where we saw it, but it was gone. Yeah. Hmm. And a couple people say different things, but one of them straight up does say, sounds almost like a kitsune, honestly, with the claws and the tails. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, maybe. And the fact that it could turn invisible, which they can also do. (laughs) I mean, they gave us all the clues. They gave us all the clues, Mr. Policeman. Anyway, (laughs) uh, that was just a sort of kind of silly way to wrap things up, but I thought it might be fun. And I hope hope you've all enjoyed. Yeah. I really want noodles now. I mean, extreme mood. I might get noodles. I, I hope that you do. I love thank that. Thank you breed. so much. Love that development. Thank you, everybody. As always, thank you to uh, our writer of our theme song, Andrew Giada, for the use of our theme music. Thank you to Lunar Light Studios, uh, our network. And please check out some of the other shows on the network, like Bad Romance, Ending Pending, Netflix and Kill, a whole myriad of fantastic shows for you to find wherever you listen to podcasts. And Alex, did you have anything you wanted to make sure we tack on there? No. That's all I got for him today. Perfect. All right. So, so that we could end and Alex can have her dinner, then as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.